Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Starship Podcast Warlock. My name is Drew. My name is Jeff. And we're watching Blackadder, and we're so watching Blackadder that I nearly said welcome to Blackadder. <laughs> um, no. I'd be okay with that. You, are, you have not been welcomed to Blackadder. You've been welcomed to Starship Podcast Warlock, where we will be watching this show. We'll be talking occasionally during it uh, in, you know, polite and, and reasonable ways. Keep it down. People are trying to watch this episode. <laughs> I love this podcast, but I wish they stopped talking over the episode. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> Just give me some good constrained silence and I'm good. Uh, let's, let's do a podcast where we don't say anything. Like, we, we talk right up until the moment that the thing starts, and then we just leave it completely blank until the end of it so that someone can be like, hey, nobody talk. We're going to listen to the podcast while we watch this thing, and their friends who always talk during the show can shut up. Or, or we could do the opposite. We could just have like, you know, 15 minutes of complete silence followed by talking over every single line <laughs> in the show. I wonder if we could manage that. I wonder if we could manage to talk over every line consistently. That that sounds like a challenge. It we, does. We should try that at some point. Might, it might be a good outtake for this. Um, I like it. <laughs> maybe we'll try it with the Cavalier years. Mm. I mean, it, it's sort of cheating, though, because we have the subtitles, but whatever. Oh, I never use the subtitles. Oh, I always do. Yeah. Because my headphones tend to bleed, uh, as uh, anyone who has listened to this podcast very loud, as I'm sure you all do, you crank it up to 10, uh, will be what? able to attest. Why do you say? <laughs> I can't hear him. <laughs> Let you turn him up. Um, so uh, we're, we're kind of keyed up and excited because we're in the final series of Blackadder, uh, barring one more special at the end. Um and we are starting Blackadder Goes Forth, which is a very interesting series, which in some ways is not like all the others. Um, although I guess you could say that of one, too. So the only ones that are like the others are two and three, and they're like each other. I, I think four is closer to two and three than one simply because of the continuity of actors mm -hmm. is, is stronger. Um, and and a lot of the insults in the character of Blackadder is even though his his character is different in this one as as he is in in two and three, but I think it's still closer to that Edmund than it is to the first season. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, certainly, he's um, not doing that is, voice. It is true that this is a bit of a de, uh, of a departure, and it's mainly because of just the air of um, uh, the the. Well, I, I don't know if I should spoil stuff before we get to the episodes, but, uh, but <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that it's been out for you know thirty something years, so I, it's haven't really you not seen it yet? Well, yeah, I, was just I think what you're about to say is that it's um, it's different in that it's so it's in, if anyone doesn't know, it's set during World War One, um, and obviously, a lot of people died in World War One, especially uh, soldiers from Great Britain, um, and so. You know, there's a lot of emotion attached to it. I think unlike maybe the previous three historical periods, there's, you know, a lot of people who regard this era with some amount of reverence. And I do remember, you know, from when I watched this however many years ago, that this series is more sort of reverent towards the events that happen in it and the, the, uh, the time period, I think, than the previous ones have been. Would you say that's fair? I mean, 
yeah, that that is that is. I mean, it's it's true that it's. Um, you know, I think it would be a lot harder to fudge some of the events there because of the fact that people would be more familiar with it. But it's also true that just the air of, I mean, there's an air of gloom and, and desperation and, and and depression lingering over this that uh, that there isn't in the other series. I think in the age of COVID, th- this ought to be interesting feeling like, you know, trapped in a bunker. But mm-hmm. um, uh, so th- there's there's that lingering, which you don't have really so much for the other ones. But it, it, uh, um, it's interesting that... Um, you know, you could perhaps think of of other series that um, that combine that humor with um, with something just kind of lurking at the background in your mind the entire time. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we we were talking a little bit before we started about dramedies. Um, Segway, <laughs> very well done. Uh, which uh, I mean, I guess you could define variously as uh, uh, basically a drama show that has some jokes in it or it's a, you know, is a little bit has comic moments, uh, all the way up to a show, uh, that appears to be a comedy, but does occasionally get emotional. Uh, and the first show that I thought of, you know, with very obvious parallels to this, of course, is mash, uh, you know, which I don't know if that was one of the first shows that really had that kind of dramedy mix, you know, a laugh track, lots of funny stuff, but also some poignant bits, you know, being set during the Korean War and all. It is funny, though, that, you know, the Korean War lasted a lot longer than Blackadder did. But <laughs> anyway. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that show. And what was the other? Oh, All in the Family you named, which I think is probably true. I, I don't think I watched enough of that to really have seen I mean, a lot of the sort of heartfelt heartfelt moments all all in the family was you know um was primarily a comedy although obviously aimed at you know deflating the racist elements Mm -hmm. of uh uh, of you know under under that sort of uh, veneer but it's also true that they did have bits where there was some tension and where they they leaned into i mean there was one episode um that uh that dealt with the fact that um that uh, you know, Jean Stapleton is home alone, and a guy breaks into her, uh, into her house, like with the intent to rape her. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that you know that they were not playing that one for laughs at, at all, and it was it was very much fraught, and and that was kind of uh, oh my god, they did this in a comedy. I mean, that was you know, and it wasn't just a stunt type of thing. It was um, it, it was it was pretty raw and, and shocking for that. And I mean, you could um, you know you could hear the the I mean, you could feel the audience. Uh, um, what the audience was feeling and what she was feeling. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, it was, it's extraordinary. And I mean, of course, and later on, I mean, she, you know, again, 40 uh, something old spoilers, the fact that, um, you know, she left the, she left the show. She died of a, of a heart attack. I mean, we, they had a, a separate series, which, um, uh, you know, which didn't do nearly as, as well. Um, you know, uh, the, the kids left basically, but um, there they were, there were elements of it. I mean, you know, you can have things that's drama that's serious, like I mentioned, like that, and you can also have stuff that it's comedy, but comedy with a with a point that's kind of revealing truths mm-hmm. to it. Um, and and all in the family had that, but it, it still, even even though it dealt with a, a lot of um, those real life elements, it still feels like a comedy for the most part. It has most of the beats of the comedy, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to some of the other things on the list. I mean, Mash, you know, Mash had a laugh track, obviously. Yep. Um, but you know, um, that, uh, um, 
uh, you know, I mean, I, I remember, was it an episode of Futurama uh, where they were parodying it with the, ro uh, with the robots or whatever that, you know, they basically had it that uh, um, an Alan Alda character was shifting back and forth between <laughs> making a joke and then crying at, oh, God, when will this war end? Well, I mean, uh, if it's robots, that really narrows down which show it is. Yeah, well, and I was debating if it was robots <laughs> or not. That's that's why. Uh, Are there robots? Yeah, um, unless it's Professor Frank's robots. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. Um, um, uh, some other really good examples um, that we were discussing. Uh, Dead like me is one of my favorite shows. Although I, I haven't rewatched it in a while, and I'm really curious if it holds up. But I uh, saw the first season of that. I enjoyed it, but I only. Saw I mean, the first, the first season is probably the best. Uh, there were only really two seasons of it, and it sort of petered out. Um, and then there was a, a movie continuation that was not really that yeah. great. But uh, the premise of that, if anybody doesn't know, is uh, basically this this girl is, is killed in a kind of ridiculous accident. Um, I'll just go ahead and tell you. <laughs> she's, she's hit by a piece of exploding... Is it Skylab? Some kind of space yeah, station? Skylab. Whatever it was. Um, but she was hit by a piece of debris, which was a toilet seat, um, and killed. And uh, she finds herself still conscious, sentient, whatever you want to say, because she basically has become a Grim Reaper. Um, and so she and Mandy Patinkin and a couple other folks, um, their job now is to reap souls and basically go to people who are about to die and, and kind of just help ease their passage from dying to... Or, from dying to being dead, basically. Um, and it, it's a it's a weird premise for a show, but, I mean, it's funny. Uh, there's a lot of funny stuff, and then there's a lot of dramatic stuff, and it kind of works really well on both levels. Um, I mean, it's, yeah. it's interesting, you know, when talking about um, high-concept stuff like that, I mean, I know we mentioned possibly we debated whether, good, whether The Good Place mm -hmm. would fit in this, and, I mean, you know, The Good Place is, is, is funny, it's enjoyable, it's a huge... Um, uh, you know, exploration of philosophy. There's there's a lot to that show, and and one of the few shows that I have to say really really sticks the landing on mm -hmm. on that. Um, so I mean that that kind of fits in that genre as well. You know, there's no laugh track on there, but there's certainly there there's funny stuff in there. Um, oh yeah, I mean I would say go, it's I'm even gonna... mostly a comedy, but it definitely if you don't feel that it's gotten moving by before the end, you will feel that it's moving at the end. I'm gonna go rewatch the trolley problem tonight. I think. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, yeah, um, I know I, I cited at one point, um, well, you, you brought up Barry, and then mm -hmm. I, I mentioned Slings and Arrows, and, and both in cases where, where you know, that, that involve acting and some enjoying stuff within, uh, within the concept of, of acting, but of course what happens after, uh, afterwards in addition to that are very different things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, uh, uh, Bar Barry is, is fascinating. Um, mm -hmm. Just, uh, you know, and... and um, you know, I, I thought of, you think of Bill Hader as just this little, you know, this guy that was kind of amusing in Saturday Night Live, did a bunch of impressions or whatever, and now, um, such, such a, a, an interesting dual role and focus of something that can flip from, from, you know, from comedy to, to, um, you know, just spine, you know, um, edge of your seat and like, you know, snap of a finger. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, just for anybody who doesn't know, Barry's, I think it's an HBO show. Um, yeah. And Bill Hader is a, an assassin, basically professional killer. Um, and he, through a series of like 
coincidences ends up uh, really wanting to become an actor, uh, a Hollywood actor. And so he he's part of this drama school that's run by Henry Winkler. Um, and uh, just the two parts of his life become intertwined in these weird ways. Um, and it's a very, very funny show and also uh, brutal in a lot of ways, um, in, in a justified ways, I would say, um, and, and pretty fascinating. And, and there's some like genuine like uh, tragedy in there, uh, genuine stuff that's very moving as well as the comedy. So I think it, I think it definitely qualifies. And then Slings and Arrows, uh, you brought up. Ah, yes, I, I I adore that show so much. I mean, the 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 whole thing takes place at a um, uh, Canadian Shakespeare Festival that's modeled after um, after Stratford, and a lot of the people that wrote and performed on that show on the show um, did a lot of those roles in um, in the real Stratford. So they were they were writing what they knew. Um, uh, I don't know how Mark Kinney from Kids in the Hall features into that. I'm not sure if he did anything in Stratford or whatever. But but it's it's in some ways, at least in the first season, what goes on stage uh, mirrors a bit of what happens um, uh, backstage. Um, you you basically have a uh, have a, a character who, uh, for reasons we find out later in the series, uh, while playing the definitive Hamlet. Uh, all of a sudden, um, snapped and disappeared into Ophelia's grave, and and um, and. Um, and what happened to him and, and his former director and his former um, his former uh, co-star slash uh, slash lover and what brings them back together? Um, mm-hmm. It's a, a incredibly well written show, very very uh, tight and dense in terms of how they they script it. They have um, uh, there's one character who comes in the first season who's basically kind of a he was thought of as a Keanu Reeves type because it was partially based on Keanu Reeves them pulling in, uh, pulling him into Stratford because they figured they could make a bunch of money that way. Um, it's a it's a young um, Luke Kirby uh, who is fantastic in that in that role. Um, and the the only thing, and this is my attempt to segue, um, uh, that uh, that he's in that's uh, that's better, I think, is his role playing Lenny Bruce in um, uh, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is another show that very much fits the. Uh, dramedy, um, mm. uh, you know. I, I, I again, it has a very strong sense of place. Like I'd love to show that to my parents who grew up in New York um, and were there in that time. I mean, you know, uh, fictionalized uh, tale of a um, housewife turned uh, comedian, uh, basically. Um, you know, she's brilliant, and Alex Borstein is amazing in that. Um, and uh, and oh God, when Jane Jane Lynch has a recurring character who is just phenomenal um <laughs> so so she's show. a comedian but she's also a professional assassin is that the premise no okay uh, no, that would that would be better oh all um, right I, no, I, she, I thought that no she okay no she gets she gets divorced in the first episode and and um and, and becomes a, drunken, a contract killer right no okay a, a drunken rant on stage basically um uh, at the comedy club where her her um Soon to be ex husband was was trying to perform. Um, her her drunken rant actually ends up going, you know, from the fifties equivalent of viral, and and basically realizes that she could potentially make it. And it's navigating everything um, in her her dual lives. Her um, father is played by uh, Tony Shalhoub, um, who steals every single scene that he's <laughs> in. Um, 
brilliant, brilliant, brilliant show. Um, I, I do want to say about Slings and Arrows before we leave that, that I would think that anybody who's like avidly following this and is into Blackadder would probably find something to like about Slings and Arrows as well. I mean, if you enjoy series two, it might mean that you have uh, an interest in Shakespeare and Slings and Arrows is like the perfect sitcom for Shakespeare lovers. So. Although I'd say even if you don't, I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, they do do some, they, they do a couple bits where they, they deconstruct um, a couple of soliloquies, which are brilliant and, and riveting on its own. Uh, the, the, what goes on, you know, they're putting on Hamlet the first season. So what goes on um, on stage as opposed to off stage with kind of a, a bit of a coup behind the scenes and, and the main character who went crazy, his former director um, gets killed by a, uh, by a truck, uh, a Canadian's best ham truck, basically. Now he starts seeing him. <laughs> I forgot about that. As a go- and he starts seeing him as a ghost. So you know, you have the ghost uh, mm-hmm. option. You have his his rival director who um, who uh, steals every scene that he's in. I am Darren Nichols. Deal with that. Who is basically the Laertes character in this one? And and you know, it it in later seasons when they do other shows, it's less of a direct parallel, but it's still amazing what they uh, what they accomplish. I. I rewatched that show at least once a year. I've rewatched it twice in in lockdown. Um, it is probably my favorite. So it's you know it's three series of of six episodes, so it's uh, fairly easy to to sit and watch the full thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels in some ways tailor made to like something that would be on Netflix now and stuff like that. But this was like two thousand three. Yeah. Um, other shows we talked about. Um, I mentioned Ugly Betty, but I I I really think that's more of a soap opera comedy than anything else I, I don't know that i would necessarily call it a dramedy uh although it has its moments um veronica mars you mentioned uh from a list i think that's a great example it's like a comedy drama detective show um which there aren't too many well i don't know i guess there are some of those out there like moonlighting or whatever not that i ever watched moonlighting but you know well that, that would that, that's an interesting fit but i mean that's going back a bit further and i, I was never a huge fan of it at the time but, yeah um, my mom liked it but i was like yeah uh fleabag was the other one that you brought up as well yes. which uh is i think a good example um it i think it melds the two of them in a way that makes them almost indistinguishable like it's not yeah, like would... oh here's some jokes but now here's the sensitive moment. It's like all of it sort of flows together in a way that I think is maybe more common now than it was back in the day of say all in the family. Well, the, the fact that a lot of the, uh, a lot of the humor is coming through the particular situation means mm-hmm. that it's not, you know, you're, you're not just dashing off a, a joke uh, for the, for the hell of it. It's something that's, that's usually directly relevant to the overall storyline. I mean, um, God, and what a show that um, is. I mean, if anyone, and, and, and a show that, really puts you in her head. Yes. Well, I mean, okay, fine, she's narrating it, but I mean, um, but does, yeah, the, the writing in that is phenomenal, and the, and the acting as well, but I mean, um, yeah, Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, deserves every accolade she gets for that. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you have never seen it and you're thinking of trying it, uh, just hang on through the first episode, I would say, um, because there was at least one time, maybe two, that I started it and I was like, Ugh, this is just, you know, sophomoric and couldn't get through it after about like 10 minutes. But then at one point I persevered and I was like, oh, okay, no wait, this is good. Um, maybe even get through the first episode, but it is brilliant. Uh, even that first episode is good, but I, I just kind of got the wrong impression about how it was going to be. So it's, it's worth sticking with. Speaking of sticking with things, 
we should stick mm-hmm. with our show that we're doing in season two. Okay. Segway. We talk about all night. No, uh, we're we're gonna watch uh, episode four. No, series four, episode one of Blackadder goes forth. Um, and as always, we're gonna take a quick little interlude, and then we'll be back to start the episode. All right, so we'll be right back. Neener, 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 nee. All right. We'll stay Let's here get until you cued up. Get back. You said I'm cued. <laughs> All right. So mine starts with everybody in formation. It does. Is that what you got? Uh, hold on. I got, I got the spinning beach ball all of a sudden. Damn it. What the hell? Stupid beach ball. Like I had it playing. Yeah, hold on. It skipped to 129. What the no worries. Just let me know when you're ready. Yeah. I'll make sure this actually plays through. Mm. Uh, that... <sighs> Hold on, this thing may be behaving a little weird. Let me play it for a few seconds and make sure we're okay. Okay, I think it's okay. There, there's a hiccup, noticeable hiccup for like two seconds. Um, but it but it comes in, it jumps from two to five, but the, the pause is about two seconds, so we're good. Mm, okay. All right, I'm ready. The pa- All right. Um, cool. All right, so let's we'll come back in, and then we'll do this. Neener, 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 neener. All right, we are going to watch the first episode of Blackadder Goes Forth, the fourth series of Blackadder. Um, all you have to do, dear listener is queue up Captain Cook, which is that first episode's title. Um, get yourself to zero, and uh, when we say three, two, one, play, start on the word play, and we'll all be synced up. Jeff, are you ready to go? I am. All right, me too. Uh, listener, are you ready? Cool. All right. Three, two, one, play. Yeah, I I was never a marching band because I didn't play an instrument. Yeah, I um I played uh, clarinet and saxophone. Um, so yeah, I marched in uh, high school, and then um I mean that was actually my introduction to high school was you know you had to go in the summer a few days before high school actually started and and start doing band practice. So that was the hey I'm in the big leagues now, <laughs> which is kind of funny thinking about it. Um, and then um. And then you know, college was just pep band. We didn't we didn't have marching band for that. And now new facial styles. Yes. Look, it's a mustache from the Christmas Carol. <laughs> As this is probably the son of the Christmas Carol Blackadder. (laughs) 
<laughs> Don't much care for your banter, sir. <laughs> Squiffy. No, Baldrick, no. Hmm. Don't burn cats.
<laughs> there are life on other planets. Hmm. Is there a life on Mars? <laughs> the bringer of war. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I thought it was the band. <laughs> Sadly, we're not going to see turnips in the series, are we? No. Oh, God. A descendant of Wellington, perhaps? <laughs> ah. And enter a very different Tim McInerney. Well, not entering. He's actually there. But you know what I mean. <laughs> there was a love of Bernard in this show too apparently Ha, 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 ha. 
<laughs> Problem. <laughs> Never heard it called an alley before. <laughs> Speaking of things on the toilet. <laughs> Remember that when we get a couple episodes later. Oh, uh, okay. And when a young Maplethorpe saw this episode, <laughs> he was inspired. How the former Prince Regent has fallen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
No time to lose. <laughs> it's a bit cold. This is some lovely filth down here. <laughs> Terrible. But I think we met Baldrick's father as well. Oh, yeah. In The Christmas Carol. <laughs> oh my god So George is basically the Percy role in this mm -hmm. now. <laughs> wow. Was Bertie a Jeeves and Worcester reference? I don't know. Ha, 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 ha. 
<laughs> well done, darling. Ha, ha, ha. 
Their heads look like mushrooms. Yeah, they do. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh my god Yikes. It is nice that we finally get to see uh, Fry and Lori interact with each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, we kind of did in the last series at the very end, but.
<laughs> so horrible. Uh. You know, I love the fact that he took a mustache off over a mustache. The baby. I hope they put the cat in the credits. Hogmane. Well, that was the first episode. We'll take a quick little interlude and be back to discuss it right after this. Neener, 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 neener. All right, Jeff, that was the first episode of Black Adder Goes Forth. What did you think? I think it was the first episode of Black Adder Goes Forth. That was brilliant. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, well, I quite liked it. Um, you know, my, my memories of this uh, of this series are probably um, uh, certainly much less than the uh, than the second and third series. Um, and uh, I was debating if I remembered more of this versus the uh, the first season. The, the truth is that I remember. I actually remember more than I thought of the season, but I don't remember much of this particular episode, interestingly enough. Hmm. Um, the, the the plot doesn't... I, I don't really remember this very much. I remember the lines, you know, the line about uh, Field Marshal Haig's uh, tea trolley being moved uh, 35... You know, being moved slightly closer to Berlin and, mm -hmm. and, you know, will be 35. So I remember some of the lines, but I didn't remember the overall plot. Um, and it was, it was enjoyable. It felt very... Um, you know, again, I feel like the show sets a high bar, and I feel like it was middle of the road for that high bar. Um, it's not something that I'm going to go in and, you know, even for the series, pull out and say, oh, yeah, that's the episode that I want to watch, but I enjoyed it and would enjoy watching it again should I watch it again. Hmm, okay. 
Um, well, I really liked it. Um, perhaps, well, let's see. How can I order my thoughts? One thing that I really like about this particular series, uh, at least so far, maybe I'm misremembering the rest of it, but I really like the characters that everyone is playing. And I feel like uh, it's... I don't even know how to explain it. They just, it, it all feels like it fits together so well. And like the relationships between them, um, and the different personalities and everything just, just click for me in a way. And I think maybe part of it is that, you know, it's, there is a hierarchy here, obviously. Um, but it's, they're all kind of in the same situation. Um, just in different parts of it. Yeah. I, I'm not articulating this very well, but I basically, I like the characters and I like their relationships. That's that's I think what it comes down to in a way that I think is uh, more compelling maybe than even some of the other series. And part of that might be in some of the series you don't really know why Baldrick is there. Like in two and three, like he's so dumb. <laughs> it's like, what is he even doing there? And and here it feels like you know that he has a reason to be there in a way that that uh, it's almost ridiculous that he's there in the other ones. That, yeah. that probably doesn't make any sense, but there's just something about the dynamics here that I really enjoy. Um, I, I think, um, I mean, it's interesting, too, that at this point the characters have all, you know, they, they haven't all been there in the same series together. Maybe they've been in an episode together or whatever, mm -hmm. but now that they're kind of there, it's, it's an ensemble that has, uh, in pieces, uh, worked with each other, and it's kind of their... their um, you know, they're all very comfortable with each other at this point. So mm -hmm. I think uh, between that and the and the writing and all that, that um, these are they're they're veterans at this point. Yeah, and I think one of the ways that I can tell that I feel differently about this incarnation of the ensemble is, uh, I'm sort of upset when Blackadder tries to screw George over. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like up until that point, you know, you, that that kind of like you know he's he's sort of verbally abusive and everything but but you get that comradely feeling for for a lot of it um but you kind of feel bad now that he's he's trying to screw him over whereas before it would have been like well of course he's doing that that's that's what blackadder does um so yeah it is it's it is different in that respect um i mean we've talked about how in in blackadder 2 the fact that you know the the chance of you know if you end up displeasing the queen you um who's very mercurial all of a sudden you could end up off with your head here again you have the case where you know the third season there wasn't that much of a threat or whatever here there is a very imminent threat mm -hmm. and uh, and to some extent the things that they're boxed in so again it's them you know it's him maneuvering around whatever he has to do to survive and in this case uh the fact that, like you said, that it was a little crueler than um, than he has been in quite some time is is definitely an interesting uh, interesting commentary on war. I suppose a lot of this is. I suppose maybe um, like I mean I don't know that it's necessarily that he is more cruel in this so much as that it jars more. Like yeah, you know in in Blackadder three when he does, you know tries to uh, you know do something and claim credit for it or. Uh, you know, impersonate someone else or screw someone else over, it, it doesn't seem out of place and it doesn't seem uh, unpleasant, if that makes sense. You know, because that's just the way he is and what he does. Right. But like it, it, here, it's it's almost like, oh, you know, why did you do that to poor George? Well, it's also the fact that you watch the direction, mm -hmm. like the um, as the reveal is happening, the camera keeps focusing on George. 
Yep. So you're focusing on his facial expression, and you could have shot it very differently where that isn't the, the case at all or whatever, but in addition to, to him trying to interrupt, it is you are watching his face with, with as he's reacting in horror, and, mm-hmm. and, um, and you know I think that's what really makes that point home. Yeah, definitely uh, Hugh Laurie deserves credit for the way he sells that, uh, I would say. Um, the other thing about this episode that I don't love, but I think is funny in small doses, is the whole, like, we're eating poop and uh, rats and cat vomit and everything else. Uh, it's like... Yeah, that did, that did go on a little is, long. And when you see them eating it at the end, you're like, oh, good. But... Um, you know, as opposed yeah. to a fine wine, which is a nice little, you know, that that's yeah, that's fairly quick. Oh, this and is very familiar. And maybe urine's easier to stomach than poop. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I would think so. I, I don't have any yeah. experience to to sell that, but I think that's probably true. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, like, there's something I really enjoy about the. Uh, kind of circumstances of this and the reality of it. And it is very sort of bittersweet because, you know, they don't make any, uh, hesitation about the fact that they are, uh, you know, on the verge of death and that like they're one order away from being perforated by the Germans. Um, and it's, I don't know. And the lunacy of the leadership. The what? And the lunacy of the leadership. Oh, yes. Um, you know, <laughs> well, it's, it's one thing if it's one thing if George just goes on, if the Prince Regent goes on, but you have somebody delusional like this, you know, God, if you can imagine having somebody say, you know, in the, in the White House that would potentially, uh, you know, lead people down a, a path to ruin. I mean. Oh, that would never happen. Bit. Nobody this yeah, dumb exactly. could ever be in the White House. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, we can laugh because it's over. Um, so. For now. <laughs> for now. Who knows who's next? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was another thing that struck me about this uh, as we've talked about it, like uh, Queenie, and I guess to a lesser extent, the Prince Regent, um, and now Melchit, and I guess Brian Blessed as well, like, are all these, like, high authority figures who hold your life in their hands at, at all times, you know? Uh, maybe the Prince Regent's less because he's too dumb to, like, and, and kind of good nature to screw anybody over. But like the other ones, as you pointed out, you can die at any moment on their whim. And a lot of the humor involves, you know, skating to the edge of that cliff, you know, uh, for, for, I think one, two and four, especially, uh, which is kind of an interesting Mm -hmm. take, uh, how, uh, dangerous these loopy upper class figures are. Uh, which I would say is is more Ben Elton if it hadn't started in the very first one. So I don't know, maybe it's mm-hmm. Richard Curtis, but uh, it's an interesting thread running through these. I mean, it's it's interesting of the fact that you know, for two, for example, that yeah, obviously you're you're one step away from the chop, but you're also one step away from you know being exalted by the mm-hmm. queen or whatever. As far as that goes, right? There is whereas this, there's no respite at all. It is basically just. It's basically, you know, the best you're promised is to be able to survive another day and maybe mm-hmm. the war will be over. Um, yeah, I mean... Living in, living in squalor, right? I mean, even not even Blackadder 1 is living in squalor. So, yep. I mean, uh, that's, that's a very different feel to it. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah, I did want to say that the, the one character that doesn't quite work for me, and I, I feel like, I mean, I, I recognize the point that he 
that he sits at is uh, is Darling, and um, like I mean, the the whole point is you have a you know you have your your stupid authority figure, which is uh, which is Melchit, but it's interesting in this case that you have a sub figure that usually is is at least somewhat clueful as to what's going on. Uh, is he's more Blackadder's direct uh, foil or 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 opposite or nemesis really, and it. it that's that's a point that nobody really occupies in the show. You could say that the Melchit of season two maybe kind mm-hmm. of fits in there in places, but but it's a very different. So like from a from a character point of view, I actually think that's really really great. The only thing is, I I just feel like they make him a you know um, they make him a dull character. He's just I I feel like, and that's not Tim McInerney's fault. Who is who is. Uh, who is great and actually has excelled now is playing uh, rather bad dark characters or whatever. Maybe this is part of his his turn, uh, but um, I just felt like there's something more that I, I felt like I needed to feel from him. And I don't know. I'm curious as we go through the rest of the series, I may feel less that way. But it's it's the one bit that doesn't quite work for me. That's interesting because for me, Captain Darling was a highlight. And I remember as we were watching this one, I was thinking. I just love the things that Tim McInerney is doing, like just his delivery, his, his eyes, uh, his behavior. Like, I mean, to me, it's, it's really magnetic watching him do this. Um, and, uh, he is fully committed. I, I, yeah, yeah. full marks, full marks for that. And I think he's, uh, you know, the scene where he's picking out the three reasons that painting (laughs) can't be black adders. Um, and, uh, and there are actually things that, of course, they're obvious in hindsight, but I, I didn't even think about them until he brought them up. So it was a really uh, fun moment there. Um, the thing, the only thing for me that doesn't quite work about Darling, uh, and again, maybe I'll I'll think differently after a while, is that he, I don't I don't understand what he has against Blackadder in the first place, but he is such a venal, kind of sinister character, and I'm like, what are you, what's at stake? here for you why are you like this you know like if they have a history together that i'm forgetting about that's one thing but they're the same rank he's so much better off than black adder <laughs> in terms of where he is and what he's doing unless he has some sort of inferiority complex about net being in the trenches i don't know it's i i can't about figure out what his that... sinister uh you know opposition is coming from it's true. I mean, you know, if, if there was a threat, for example, that if Blackadder was doing a better job than Darling, then their positions right. would get switched. That would be something that would be more concerning. If there was a case where um, you could argue that Darling basically sees sees through whatever Blackadder is trying to do and knows that he's trying to weasel out of mm. it and, you know, takes uh, takes umbrage at the man not doing his job. And, uh, and, you know, you may, you may be able to fool Melchit, but you're not fooling me. I know Mm -hmm. what you're doing. Oh, I'll buy that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and maybe he really is patriotic and doesn't like the way that, uh, blackhead is trying to like skate out of things. I don't, I don't necessarily picture him being patriotic, although we don't have enough evidence to support it one way or another. I think it's more the fact that he, that he, he takes um, he takes umbrage of the fact that Blackadder is trying to uh, sneak out. You know, it's it's uh, the principal Rooney going after Ferris Bueller type of thing, I mm-hmm. suppose. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Interesting. Well, 
there's a lot to chew on in this series. Um, and uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add, but I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the rest of these. I, I am curious to see how this, I mean, from my memories and things, how, you know, again, we've talked about how every season that the first episode usually does a very good job of setting up the characters and who they are and, and, uh, and what they care about. In this case it does, but there's room to grow. And, and I want to remind myself I mean, in particular, for Darling, I mean, I think he's the, again, the one that has the um, greatest mobility. He feels like the, the, even though we've speculated here, he feels like the, the least um, of a, of a um, the least defined, whereas the other mm-hmm. ones, even if they're more caricatures, in some cases, they, they are very well defined. So that, that gives him, I, I think, room to, to grow and for them to discover um, what sort of character he is. And I, I don't, I remember bits and pieces, but I want to see how that plays out now that we're thinking and talking about it and, and would be focusing on it more. Yeah. Yeah. It will be interesting. Uh, very enjoyable performances all around though. So regardless, I, I think it's going to be a treat right up until that last Agreed. episode. And even well, then I, yeah. Uh, I like that last episode. Yeah. Uh, well, we can, we'll, we we'll can save it. That that. Uh, I, I do yeah. want to throw in one other thing, uh, which I kind of alluded to before, which is that there's something about the exact mix of drama and comedy here, which feels now I haven't seen like dad's army or any of those shows, but I feel like the level of seriousness that's underlying the ridiculous comedy here is so finely tuned like it it's just pitched exactly right in my in my feeling that you wouldn't watch this and be like oh they're they're making light of life in the trenches and you wouldn't watch this and go man this is a drag like it's exactly the right mix to my to my eyes mm-hmm. so it's I, very admirable it, it is very very funny and the stuff that they're referring to while you're laughing at is is driving home the the full uh madness and uh and you know, horror of, of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, um, yeah, do you, you do feel for them being in that position and still laughing your, your butt off. Yeah. I have to agree. Yeah. It's weird that somehow the past ones seem more comfortable than <laughs> this 20th century situation, but you know, that's war, I guess. It, I mean, it's also interesting viewing this, you know, a good 10, 20 years later or older or whatever mm-hmm. than, um, one's perspective when in your twenties and versus in your, in your forties, uh, um, things may play differently simply because of, uh, because of that. Mm-hmm. In addition to a lot of the dramedy type prestige TV that we clearly have now that has primed us for a lot of those sorts of things. True. Well, we will see how the rest of this plays out. Um, I think this is a good time to wrap up and, uh, we will be doing of course, episode two next time. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you have anything to say to us, the best way to do it is to get on Twitter uh, message to at Starship Warlock, no podcast in the middle, and tell us what's on your mind. You can also go review this podcast in various places, you know, tell us what we're doing wrong, or, you know, just give us five stars. We deserve it. We work hard for the money. There's no money. Okay. <laughs> Wrapping up now. This has been uh, Drew. This has been Jeff. And you've been listening to Starship Podcast Warlock. Bye, everybody.
Thank you.